0: Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. Also connect with us online at Facebook. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie following the sermon from April 19th, 2020. Welcome Faith Church to another installment of the Faith Podcast. I am one of your hosts,
1: Jay. And I am your other host, Robbie. Welcome everyone. We are both pastors at Faith Church.
0: Hence the. We are indeed. Oh no, we just did it. Uh, so Christoph. We so well. Christoph's like a professional, you know, radio person. If you don't know Christoph who, who takes care of our podcast and and mixes it and does the intros and everything, he's just done a fantastic job with it. Um, he is not a fan of Robbie and I talking over each other. No, he is not. So I'm going to try He does not find it endearing like we do I was just going to say I'm going to try not to do it And you just can't help yourself, Robbie If if there's anything that people need to understand Is they would think that I am the mischievous one Between the two of us in the office But As it turns out That is an objective fact But you're the one that Continues to talk over me I'm just saying That's because I'm bad at this, not because I'm being cheeky Okay, well, yeah, that is where we differ. All right. Yeah. I do it just to see Christoph's expression. You're saying you do it from incompetence. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. That is great. Okay. Well, we should move on with uh, today. So uh, we are going to discuss the sermon, which raised a lot of questions, but none of which were submitted.
1: Correct. Well, one was submitted. We had lots of questions about stuff.
0: Yeah, we had lots of, yeah. And one was
1: submitted, and we are going to get to that. So, what should we tackle first? I, I had one question. We, we talk about like what makes it on the cutting room floor and what, you know, what did we not get to talk about? But one, one of the things that we often discuss on Tuesday mornings is, uh, what are things that we wish we had said differently Or we had clarified Or maybe we we said And then the, the, the sermon kept going And we wish we had kind of come back to it again uh, And we were talking a little bit this morning That you had one of those this weekend Would you care to share that With the rest of us? Do you feel like this is
0: the appropriate time to share this? It feels okay.
1: like it This is actually the reason I think, I th- I think okay. they would like to hear it um,
0: I feel like I didn't really greet people Hi everyone Hope you're having a great day How's that? I also hope you're having a good day. There you go. Okay. So on to the, uh, yeah. So here's what's really strange about this whole setup. I am used to hearing the sermon as it's coming out of my mouth, directed towards people that I love and, and watching their facial expressions. So this whole thing of preaching to a camera, cameras don't have facial expressions. They um, not. And neither does Jeff Bauer, who is sitting back there with me. So there are zero facial expressions going on. Very little feedback. Yeah. So I just, I just go. So then the, the very surreal thing is then to watch it on Sunday and the number of times that I've watched and, and thought, oh man, well, what did you mean by this? And realize that I'm asking myself, I'm asking Mm. Jay from two days ago, well, Mm. why did you say it this way? Um, and so there definitely were things that happened on Sunday where I thought, oh, I wish I would have said that differently or, oh, I wish I would have added one more thing to that. But it's because I'm seeing it from a different perspective. And I think if I was in the habit of watching my sermons later, I think I'd probably always have this, but I don't do that. I probably should, but I, I always find it very uncomfortable and it so, is very
1: uncomfortable. Well, and it, this is not a problem that's going to go away, right? Because until we develop a technology where present J is able to interview future J, who will ask you clarifying questions, we're, we're going to have this. Whether we're watching it or whether it's on a Sunday morning, there's often times when we step off the stage and think, oh, why did I say it like this and not like that? So, yeah. Good but thing then we, we have, have to relive podcast. it. Like right yes, now, we have to relive that it. That's
0: the thing. Even when I feel that way, at least on a Sunday morning, I'm just like, "Well, what's done is done." But now I have two days, uh, two three days to wait for that other shoe to drop, as it were. So in this, obviously, we're dealing with two very difficult things in this sermon. One of which is the ending of Mark, the controversial ending of Mark. But then that's not enough for me. So I turned that into a message on faith and works, which is a whole other difficult topic. Um, You did really double down on that one. I did. Right. Well, because you know, it was in the text. That's what it's, what is being communicated. There is this idea of belief and how central and crucial that is. And so a couple of things that I would have, would have liked to have added to or said maybe a little differently. Uh, One of, well now I have to look at my notes because now I'm already I'm already moving on to the Lord's Prayer. Uh oh. Oh yeah. So in the See, <laughs> yeah, I moved on. But uh in that in talking about the text, those verses nine through twenty, and should they be in there or should they not? I made the statement that how you know in how we should handle this. Do we how do we do we, do we teach on it? Do we not? And, and just so you know, godly people all over the spectrum, people that I, I trust and, and would be in agreement with on 99% of issues have very different opinions on this of whether you should preach on it or you shouldn't preach on it or how you should do it. And so um, I, I chose what I chose because I believe I kind of land on the end of God's sovereignty and saying, OK, all those things are understandable, these questions. But at the end of the day, it's in my Bible And, um, God has not yet to my understanding charged me with selecting the canon. And so I'm going to go ahead and trust that. And so that's why I wanted to preach on it. But I did make the comment that I wouldn't take any specific verse from here and base my whole theology on that specific verse. I still stand by that statement, but what I wish I would have followed that up with would be something along the lines of just like you shouldn't do with any other verse in the Bible. So we would say Correct. you shouldn't take, if your theology, if you have a big you know, cornerstone theology or something that you believe about the Christian life, and it is all based on one verse that is an obscure verse where we would say that there's not a lot of clear clarity around this specific verse, or there's not a lot of agreement in other places in scripture. I think that is a dangerous thing to do already. And so it really didn't have much to do with this ending of Mark as much as it had to do with that's just bad practice. You don't want to base Hmm. theology on one verse that is not backed up anywhere else. Does that make sense?
1: It does to me. Hopefully that makes sense to the listeners as well. And maybe it'd be helpful if we gave some examples of, because maybe you're listening to that and thinking, well, I would never do something that crazy, but, but it, it can be uh, kind of a sneaky, uh, it can sneak up on us is a better way to say that. Uh, the, the first thing that came to my mind is how, how easily we can do that with a book of revelation, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of very obscure images in there and, and it can be easy to, to grab hold of one of those and build a lot of ideas around that when there isn't necessarily, um, uh, a lot of explicit support in other aspects of scripture. So, um, yeah, it's just being cautious to, to not, uh, you know, build our entire theology on the head of a pin, right? Find that one verse and build everything on that, but to, but to weigh each verse um, alongside every other and, and to see how, how does it fit within the whole. Right, and I think it's important to distinguish that the reason we
0: would say that is not because that one verse is wrong or in error, it's, exactly. it's because we we don't believe our understanding and our interpretations are, are infallible. And so we often look for, like there's common themes through scripture and and God is, he backs things up in multiple places. So uh, so you should always have evidence, which is why, that's how we always teach the Bible. If you go through all of our sermons in Mark, we, we didn't have a single sermon where we only quoted the passage we were teaching on. And the reason for that is because if we're going to make a statement of what is Jesus teaching in this moment, and we're going to make an emphatic statement saying this is what the word of God teaches, then that also would be taught in other places. So we'll quote from the Psalms, or we'll quote from Ephesians, or we'll quote, and the reason we do that is because we're demonstrating that, look, he says this, and the reason why I'm confident this is what this means is because Paul says it here, and David says it here, and Peter says it here. And so that that is a helpful way. That's the way that we should always look at scripture. So you want to be careful when we talk about proof texting. If you're ever hearing a Bible teacher who just kind of pulls a verse out, with um, it's proof texting isn't always bad, because that's what we're doing. When I say okay, Jesus, can you define proof
1: texting? You, for, why don't you define you, for the people what does it what does it mean to proof? You text? should define that. Yeah, to because define you're it? the word guy. Okay. I would I would define it as I have I have a point that I would like to make. And so I find the verse or text that I believe proves that point, hence proof text. So that that in and of itself is not bad. It becomes a problem when when I am willing to take that verse out of its context and and distort its meaning within the context in order to prove my point. Right. Yep. Does that make sense? And that's where okay. this So it's
0: the bad kind of proof texting when I say, here's this verse that is maybe obscure in its meaning, and I'm going to say it means this thing that is not backed up anywhere else in Scripture. That's another bad form of proof texting. So one form of bad proof texting is when you take it completely out of context and you just completely manipulate whatever that verse said to just make it say what you want to. But another way is when you pull something out that that is not you prove it from you in theory prove it from one point that is not backed up anywhere else and the beauty of God's word is the unity of it the beauty of it that that when God teaches on the fact that he is love and what his love looks like that is demonstrated multiple times over and over again what his who who he is who his what his character is so then when people pull out some random event and say well see God isn't loving because of this random event but not understanding that in the whole of scripture and not that's a that's that's what we're saying is a bad idea to to do. And so the, the a lot of people get nervous in Mark um, 16, 16:9 through 20 because it talks about handling snakes and drinking poison and all of that and um, that's what I meant. I just meant that you, you couldn't read all of scripture and say that the way we can tell if someone is saved is if they drink poison and they don't die. That would be that would be a correct, right. That would That'd be, be proof bad text- proof texting because that right. is nowhere, nowhere else does anybody else say that. So it may be that that may not be the actual point of that
1: passage. So, yeah, if it is, if it is true, if it is, uh, essential, it will be, it will be echoed throughout all of scripture. And, and i actually like to correct the statement I just made seven seconds ago. It doesn't mean it is not true. Um, it, but it but it needs to be in the context of of the whole of scripture so scripture in a sense provides the the fences on either side of the path to keep us on the path so that we don't grab that one single verse and and go running off the cliff with it we we, we take that verse we read it we meditate on it we pray through it in the context of of the whole of scripture to to see how does in what way is this true in the context of the whole yeah that's a heavy topic.
0: We're dealing. We're dealing with all kinds of things. Maybe we need to take a podcast where we just talk about uh, why why we trust the Bible. Then, like, how do we? Because there could be somebody listening to this and saying, "Well, man, it sounds like then you have to jump through a lot of hoops to understand what the Bible is saying." And and that's not at all what we're meaning by that. But it could it could be helpful. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. Let's put the, let's put that's that good on the. Idea. I'm writing that down. That's a good um, idea. One other random thing that I would point out that I, I kind of wish I'd followed up was I used an analogy to a football team who practices that faith, uh, if you don't know, if, if your faith is never tested, then you don't really know its strength. And using as, by, by way of illustration, a football team who only practices and runs their own drills, but is never tested by another team, never plays a game or never plays tough competition. And... I wish I would have followed that up a little bit by saying, you know, so then I I pointed out in James how it's through trials that God tests our faith like that. And so it is common. It's a common experience for me. And I think for most Christians that I have ever walked with that we, that we don't always rejoice in trials. And that is a, that is a challenging thing, but we do need to take a step back and realize that when we do that, we end up despising the thing that God does for our good. So if we say that all of this hinges on faith and it's really important that we have this kind of faith, then God w- would be unkind to just let us leave us to our own devices to just guess if we have that or not. But in his kindness, he He reveals that to us through testing, through trials. And so it is his goodness. And us, uh, if, if we are upset about that or we resent God for doing this kindness for us, that would be like players of that football team getting mad at their coach for scheduling real opponents, like the thought of, well, coach, as long as we don't have to play anybody, we can just fool ourselves into thinking that we are really good. And I would rather wrongly think that we are really good than find out what we actually, what we're actually missing out on or what we need to um, improve in. And so when I think about that, I just think how kind God is that, that he doesn't let me settle like that. He wants me to experience all the things that he is offering me through faith in him. And so in his kindness, he gives me opportunities to see for with my own eyes what my faith is, rather than just letting me go through my entire life assuming that my faith is strong because it's never been tested and and, and therefore yeah, missing yeah. out on all of the abundant blessings that he gives through that vehicle.
1: It is extraordinary how James, in right at the opening of his letter talks about finding joy in that and that that the result of that is the perfecting of our faith that there's a perfect reward in experiencing those trials and it's for that very reason it's because it gives me god gives me the gift of the opportunity of seeing oh wow this is this actually works like when you're i know you always you you don't love when i give sports analogies and that's for a legitimate reason because i don't i don't understand sports um, you just, you but just mutilate them. It's like me what, giving
0: hunting analogies.
1: With little I do understand, I know there there is, and my my meager sports experience in my life, there there is something so delightful in like being in the game and doing that thing that you've been practicing over and over and over again, and it works, right? You have that that sense of like, oh, this is why we have been practicing this. This is why we have been doing this obnoxious drill over and over and over again because then when you get in it you see the result of that and and so much of that is is true in our faith that it's not until i find myself in that real life difficulty that i'm able to see wow that my time in the word actually paid off as god filled my head and my heart with his promises and that brought me comfort in this morning my time with him has actually benefited me because i i was able to focus on things above and not on things on the earth and this circumstance and if i never have those difficulties i don't ever get to truly experience that we are actually this is actually a very timely topic as it turns out because we certainly have a circumstance that we're dealing with right now that is giving us an opportunity to see where our dependence is where our hope is and uh and and how how i think we handle the situation that we currently find ourselves in demonstrates a lot of uh of that faith or or my lack thereof was that a lead in that was it, it sure to to our current oh yeah well i guess it is a little bit so yeah, I mean we would You you really you really robbed it of the magic when you call it out <laughs> yeah. as a lead-in. That's that makes it l- significantly less seamless that's my, there when you... That's my uh
0: that's my strength is robbing things of their
1: magic. Just awkwardly stating, <laughs> "Wait, is this the thing? This is the time we're do- okay. That's right. To make a transition seamless, make sure you say, "And now it's time for the transition." Yeah. Here we that's go. How I...
0: And now. Yeah, that's that's how actually how I introduced proposing to Lauren. This is the time where I'm, this is what I'm about to do. It, you know, you might say it, Rob.
1: Did you really? Please tell me that's true.
0: <laughs> no, no. Oh. But uh, uh, our proposal date, my proposal date to her started with a trip to the DMV. That is true. That's classy. That is. You're always keeping I'm it Throwing classy. her off the scent is what that was called. That was <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> genuinely, because the whole t- it worked too. Because the whole time she's thinking, well, he's certainly not going to propose to me well, on a date that started true. with the DMV.
1: Because no one in the history of
0: ever has ever associated DMV with romance. But now Lauren does. So she loves going to get her license renewed now. And it's all thanks to me. I bet she does. Thanks to me. I bet she does. Anyway, that is not what we're talking about. So about that seamless transition. Yeah. um, What I I was also, we were thinking about as we're hearing these uh, different reports about when we can start to gather, we're getting, we're starting to get more and more questions uh, from our congregation from people or other pastors saying, okay, well, what do we do? How do we, how do we come back to gathering? And clearly we're starting to see a division out there in our, in our culture disagreements over when, when do we reopen? When do we, when should we come back? Are these, uh, are these, uh, the different measure measures that they're putting in place? Are they too much? Are they not? And I think it'd be a good time to remind us if, if you go back and you listen to the the first sermon from this one, was that March 22nd? I think mm-hmm. uh, where we, sounds great. where we said, we talked about, okay, how should we as Christians look at this? And again, it, I think it's a good time to remind our church that we are not looking at this from the angle of what is, are, are we worried about this virus? Are we scared? It's not from fear mm-hmm. and it's not from flippancy. That our desire constantly is to honor our Lord and to love our neighbor well. And the thing that just keeps ringing in my head right now is the mark of that is humility. That how we approach this, and just my encouragement, we are going to disagree. People are going to disagree about when we should come back, if if it's an overreaction, if it's not, if we should be allowed, if we shouldn't. There was a lot of unity early on in this where everyone just agreed we're supposed to do this, but there's, there's just no black and white light switch to now say, okay, well, now this is not a big deal, which means by definition, people are going to come to that conclusion at different times. They're going to have different views. We're already seeing that the, the bipartisan efforts are now starting to break apart a little bit as one, you know, one side is arguing for one thing and the other side's arguing for the other thing. And that is all, should have all been expected. What I will grieve over is not churches disagreeing on, should we come back? How should we come back? You know, when should we come back? Any of those things. What's going to grieve me is when it's absent of humility. And I, I just was thinking about mm. Colossians 3 In Colossians 3.12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in, with compassion, goodness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I, so we talk about proof texting, um, all of those things. That is a text that proves the point of those are the things that should be marking us right now. Not, not storming the government to demand our right to, to meet together, but to pray for our leaders and to understand with understanding and compassion, understand how difficult this is to try to lead a population through something like this with differing views and opinions to with humility, submit to the governing authorities, but also with humility, love our neighbor well and to continue to worship our God. However we can, I'm that's not a statement on will it ever get to a point where we where civil disobedience is allowed or encouraged, but even when it is encouraged and even when you see it in scripture, it is done with humility. I think of Daniel doing his civil disobedience and honoring God. It is always with humility when in the early church in the act with acts, we see them standing before the synagogues and the other rulers and, and just saying, I can't do anything else. I have to preach this message, but it isn't done from a place of arrogance or, uh, or or storming the gates as it were it was done with humility and a trust and all that comes from a trust in the sovereign god who is over all of it anyway so
1: mm. there mm. there's a
0: little mini rant sermon is
1: that a you good a sermonette, if a, you sermonette will. a sermonette, if you a sermonette you will. I believe is what they call
0: those That's what I, most people wish was every week a sermonette uh,
1: I I can't help but be reminded of, of Galatians as you're as you're saying that and that that idea of we we have we have this freedom we have freedom in Christ and and Paul warns the Galatians um, that that you are called a freedom brothers but but uh, do not use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another um, and so a- as we as we are in this season where certain freedoms have been had to be set aside for the sake of the greater good as that begins to ramp up again it might be easy to feel like it's we're we're flipping the switch right so okay now i should get all of my freedoms back again and and, and whether or not that is actually the case it's important for for me to think through well, well how will i choose to use those freedoms do i use those freedoms uh selfishly as an opportunity to satisfy My own desires or do I use these freedoms as Paul encourages us in Galatians to serve one another because then he he even goes on for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you should love your neighbor as yourself and then warns us but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another so as you said as as it's so easy now as we've kind of passed out of that honeymoon of unity right because we can all unite around well we don't want everyone to die right? That's an easy thing to unite around. Um, that, that seems to be dissipating. And and we're now entering into this, as you say, this division of, well, what is the right way to move forward in this? And just, man, I, I, I can't agree more and, and, and hope and pray that by God's grace, my, my thoughts, my desires moving forward in this will be driven, um, by, by, a freedom that I use to love and serve others rather than exercising that freedom to try to meet my own needs or, or desires. I agree with that.
0: Look at us. We're all agreeing right now. Good. We're, we need to find something we're, more we're,
1: we're united. We are not biting or devouring one another. That is good. Well, it's hard to do we're from... we demonstrating Galatians 5. Yeah,
0: it's hard to do from six feet apart. It's going to be hard to bite and devour one another. In that way.
1: Oh, I don't know. The internet actually, I would argue, makes that even easier. That's true. I don't know if that is true. So,
0: so that is our exhortation, our encouragement: is just let your actions be marked with kindness and compassion and humility, and and to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, and let pray pray that our government our governments would make wise decisions and just you know compa- compassion for people who have to make these calls. I mean, I have to make calls for a much smaller group i have a lot of empathy for the governor of our state who has to somehow make decisions and do what he sees as best even though he's infallible or he's fallible he's not infallible that was that could have gotten me in trouble clearly a fallible human being with lots of people saying lots of different things to him and then you've got the legislature who has to they they're charged with a certain responsibility and we want all of those branches to fulfill their responsibilities and do what they're supposed to do. And I think what they need from us is is just some okay. trust and some patience and to bear with That's one some another. Some grace and, love some grace and understanding
1: that this is yeah. this is an impossible situation to navigate. Nobody nobody wants People, small businesses to close and nobody wants people to die and figuring out how to, to try to accomplish moving forward in a positive way in either of those is a decision I am so grateful I am not responsible to have to make and can definitely try to have some grace for those in the very difficult position of having to
0: amen to that hey you know we actually did have a question about we did i totally forgot about that so this is out of order I guess but we can still ask it so we had a question that came in, which I thought was really, it uh, was a really good question. Um, they said, "Jesus is the Son of God. We are the children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. He is not ashamed to call us brethren." In the story of the woman with the flow of blood, so referencing the the passage that I talked about on on Sunday, who came to touch the hem of his garment, why did Jesus call her daughter? So there's a story of. As Jesus is going to to her, uh, heal Jairus's daughter, that the crowds are pressing in on him, the woman uh, comes up to him and and she's been bleeding for twelve years and she believes that if I just touch the hem of his of his cloak, then I'll be healed. She's she's healed, and then Jesus calls out, says, "Who who touched me? I felt power go out from me." And all the crowds are pressing in, and but he knows who she is, and she comes forward. And when she comes forward, he tells her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Which is a beautiful, it's a beautiful line. So the question though is... So
1: so affectionate, so compassionate, so gentle,
0: right? Right. And so, so yeah, but the question is, it's a, it's a great... Robbie, you'd mentioned when you read that question that you just loved that question. Do you want to say why you loved that question?
1: I lo- I loved it because clearly the person is reading the word in order to get you can just kind of blaze through that but to actually stop and take the time and say well wait a minute jesus just called her daughter but jesus is the son and and to be able to as we just said a few minutes ago be able to look at the whole of scripture and say wait a minute but everywhere else in scripture it says this about who we are. It says this about who Christ is. It says this about, like, this person is exercising exactly what we are saying we would hope everyone would do, that you wouldn't just read a verse in isolation, but that you would read it, actually read it, and think about what you're reading, and then, and then have a question in light of, well, how does this fit into Scripture as a whole? I got very excited about that.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. So do you want to take a stab at that?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I sort of showed my hand a little bit in saying but partially, I think it is, it's just an, an incredibly compassionate expression an act, uh, 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 an act of kindness in that, um, he's using a term, an affectionate term towards her. So in, in, in all the crazy of the, the, the bustling of the crowd and the, and the apostles are, are a little frustrated at, at Jesus inefficiency in, in not, moving things along he stops and is incredibly and uses this term of endearment over her um and then i would i would i would add to that i don't believe that jesus is indicating that he is, that she is his daughter but but simply referring to her in the general sense of uh, a, a daughter of the creator I mean, you know maybe he would see, more specific maybe he would have said adoptive daughter but that doesn't really that would, that would be awkwardly specific in that in that context, I think. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> awkwardly.
0: <laughs> if Jesus would have stopped and clarified the theology behind that statement, that would have maybe stolen from the moment. Um, it
1: would have robbed a little bit of the compassion it, if you it would turned have it robbed into a,
0: little... a but
1: we, we systematic have those, theology dissertation.
0: Right. We have those examples in our own culture. They're just different cultural things. What Jesus is communicating there is clearly a love, and and also that this— woman is not an outcast that she is, she is in and she's in because of her faith. And what I think, you know, we have these kinds of terms of endearment that we don't take literally in our own culture. So it's not abnormal for an older man to call a younger man son. Now, sometimes Mm -hmm. that could be in a a derogatory way or a uh, kind of a A condescending condescending way. way. Mm -hmm. But in its best case, it's a, it's a term of an affection mm-hmm. and an endearment. And so I think that is where this is, this would be similar to that. Or if I said to someone else's child, if I said, child, come here, you know, or, or it was some kind of affection, I wouldn't be implying that they're my child. I would just be, it's a, it's a, a, a term of endearment or affection.
1: Exactly. I think, I think that's a really great point. And I am again just so excited that these are the kind of questions that we've started to get. I think uh, I think the more our people are spending time in the word and reading the word, certainly these questions are going to come up because the, the word is uh, it, it, it stirs these things in us when we're actually taking that time to really to really pour ourselves into it and and, and examine the scriptures as the scriptures command us to do then, then these questions come up. So thank you again. And uh, we would love to see even more of these.
0: Yeah, I want to encourage people to submit those because it's not only the answer to the question, it's also how we get there. And I think that teaches something. And Mm -hmm. and I always find it really helpful when I'm listening to someone else give an answer to a, a biblical text, a question that comes up from a biblical text. The answer is one thing, but how they got there often is as helpful or more helpful than anything else. So uh, we love that. So please continue to send in send in questions about the text. send in questions about the sermon, send in random questions about just things you're sitting there wondering that have come up in your own personal devotions. Uh, on top of that, we want to uh, continue to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, to our podcasts. It's just our way right now of trying to keep us as connected as we possibly can. So, Robbie, do you have anything to add to before we wrap this one up?
1: I will give one example of, so far, my favorite question that we've gotten in uh, that we will handle at a future one. Somebody asked, who are your favorite dead authors? Which I think is a fun question and oddly specific. So maybe we could also share who some of our favorite living authors are as well just for funsies um but looking forward to get to to answering that and just love that you guys are asking these questions uh love you church miss seeing you face to face and looking forward to talking to you soon